everyone, and welcome to episode 83 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we try to escape the shadows of the App Store Desert's strange paradox. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. It was a, a good week. I was on time for everything, thanks to my new Apple Watch. And, uh, I don't know, it was some good gaming, too. Yeah, it was a pretty fun week. And one thing that wasn't so fun, at least for me, is that Apple released macOS Mojave, but it's not compatible with my Mac. So I have a 2011 MacBook Air. It's running perfectly fine. I could use a battery replacement, but it turns out that macOS Mojave only supports 2012 MacBook Airs and newer because, of course, it does. And it joins my Apple Watch Series Zero as another (laughs) device that doesn't support Apple's latest software. So it's a fun updating time for me. Yeah, it's it's your year to rebuy everything that you own, I guess, if you want to stay current. Yep. But macOS Mojave does have a bunch of new features, so it's available to download now. If you do have, essentially, no matter what line it is, it's 2012 or newer, whether it's the iMac and MacBook Pro and all those good devices. So hopefully you do have a 2012 or newer Mac, and if you do, you have now dark mode, which was a long-requested feature. I don't know if it truly changes usability but now everything has that whole dark scale whether it's the finder window the dock or even the new backdrop which they have a special desert that fits in with the mojave theme and it also changes throughout the day so in the morning it will be sun shining on the desert and as the day progresses it's just as though the sun would pass through the day until nighttime when you would have that whole dark mode yeah, I, I have a uh, mid-2015 uh, MacBook Pro, so I have not, uh, I have it installed, but I have not hit the reboot button just because I didn't want to mess up our ability to record tonight. So I will be trying this out as soon as we're done recording, but the, I, I've never been a real huge fan of dark mode. Some apps I use it, especially like at night, it's a little bit easier on the eyes. I, I don't know, I'm not, this wasn't like a, like a wow i can't i'm so excited for this although that that changing background screen does sound pretty cool and so i'm curious to see if i end up liking the dark mode so much that i kind of leave it on all the time and do i upgrade to an 1800 dollars computer so i can access dark mode (laughs) (laughs) there probably is someone out there that probably is doing it yep and so beyond dark mode apple has a new stacks feature which essentially takes that folder from the dock for your documents or downloads and puts it to the desktop. So you can just say create stacks and all those cluttered files on your desktop will be organized by type, whether it's images or movies or documents. And then in these little stacks where you can then tap on them and access all the files, the folder view you have from the dock. Yeah, but I mean, that is kind of neat. It kind of keeps things uh, nice and clean for whatever reason. I don't know. I've just never really used the desktop on my Mac. I used to have the most cluttered desktop on my Windows PCs, but for some reason, I just never put anything on here on the desktop with the Mac. So, but maybe I'll start if I can start creating huge, nice stacks of things. And then Finder has gotten a boost. Finder and Quick Look kind of have similar feature updates where now you can do more right from within Finder or Quick Look where you can edit files and have quick actions so essentially you can adjust the metadata or start marking up a PDF or even trim audio or video files you can crop images and do all these aspects from Finder and Quick Look rather than opening up the respective file. Yeah, I mean, that's nice. And anything that saves you time that you can just quickly start working on things and not have to load up a whole bunch of separate apps and drag them in, open the files, go up to the menu. Everything simpler, quicker, easy access. I love it. And then the Mac App Store has been redesigned, a la the iOS 11 App Store. So now you can have a better view honestly i never go to the mac apps so (laughs) i don't know yeah if this change will make me do that yeah no i think the only time i ever go is to update ios i mean mac os once a year and that's about it but maybe this will give me the emphasis to do so 
yeah, I mean, maybe I'll finally notice certain apps in there. And I'm like, hey, I should install that. I just got to clear off space on my Mac, which is always almost full. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's it'll be nicer to present it and just give at least developers a nicer way to show off their work. And then in iOS 12, the iPad gained access to voice memos, stocks, and news. And those three apps have made their way to the Mac as well as the home app has also made its way to the Mac. So you can access those familiar iOS apps on your computer. Yeah, I'm, the one thing I'm still surprised about is how that home app still looks so homely. Like, <laughs> why did they not update that and make it look cool at this point? I, it just seems to be another one of these things where they made it and it's kind of got forgotten and... It, they brought it now to the to the Mac, but that correct me if I'm wrong. But in their original presentation, this is one of those where they were using that new tool that allowed them to basically bring iOS apps kind of onto the Mac. Is that is yeah? These it, are their remember first that kind of like uh, guinea pig trials of Apple working on themselves to test it out for the next year to then let developers do that in the future. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought I remembered that, but I couldn't. Wanted to be sure. Yeah, so it's more promising for the future rather than, oh, look, I opened up voice memos on my computer. More the potential iOS apps that can come to your desktop in the future. <laughs> right, right, right. And there's a bunch of smaller features, including, you know, that 32-person FaceTime chat that's coming later this fall to iOS 12 and Mojave. And then it's easier to take screenshots and... You can now add your fave icons to Safari. So just funnel stuff. <laughs> yeah. Finally, you can tell what a tab is without having trying to read it. Like, that's, usually I have so many tabs open that all you see are those favicons. So that's the only way I can even figure out what a tab is. So I, it's kind of ridiculous that they have to highlight this as a feature when every other web browser has had this for at least 10 to 15 years. But I guess... Apple likes to do that. Yep. And so that's pretty much macOS Mojave. If you have a computer that's compatible, there's no reason not to update. It's a free update. And, of course, there's plenty of under-the-hood enhancements to just improve the usability of your Mac, especially if you have a newer one. Though it's not as performance-heavy as I'm sure next year we're going to have a, I don't know, a specialized version of Mojave. Like, I was trying to think of something quick. I, I can't think of one. You know, from Sierra like to High, high Sierra. Mojave? Yeah I, yeah, I don't think there's a high Mojave that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy Mojave. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Some, like, super fine-tuned version next year. So this was the feature update year, and, you know, it's not this big laundry list of features, so that doesn't bode well for expecting a lot from your Mac next year. But like we've talked in the past, the Mac operating system is pretty, you know, evolved and stable, and it's not like, oh, here's this low-hanging fruit that they can improve it or build upon. So there's not the most they're going to go for on the computer. Right, right. But, I mean, it, at least it's some new things. I'm sure there's a few of these things that people are super excited about, and they'll be happy. But otherwise, it, it was kind of a minor, I would say, year overall for, for Mac OS update. Yep. And so beyond the Mac, as you guys know, Brett got the new Apple Watch. I got the new iPhone XS. And here's our essentially early impressions. One funny thing, I need a new watch and I need a new computer since both of mine aren't compatible, but I bought neither of those. Instead, I bought a new phone, which I didn't need because the iPhone X works perfectly fine, but that's how I am. So with the iPhone XS, I still have the iPhone X hanging around and just using it, you know, going places this weekend it's tough to tell the difference. If I didn't buy the gold version and I had them both sitting on my desk, I wouldn't know which was which. <laughs> so that's cool. And then the camera's improved. That's easily noticeable once you're actually using it. The pictures are improved if you try to grab a photo of the same thing with both devices. That's easily noticeable that tennis is a big enhancement, including that depth effect where now that bokeh style, you can really adjust it and fine-tune it because previously you had to use third-party apps and it still wasn't as well done as this new version. But I really can't tell the speed improvements because there's never any instance where I thought the iPhone X was slow, so the iPhone XS, even if it is subtly faster, 
it's going to be probably not noticeable to most people. Yeah, I was kind of, I was curious to see how much of a difference you would even notice. Like you would have noticed had you gone to the Max, but where you got the 10s, there really isn't a lot of difference, especially physically. They look identical. Uh, my wife just got the 10s, and so when we have our two phones on the table down in our kitchen. I got to quickly double check that I'm taking grabbing the right phone because the case she's using is one I used to use. So uh, otherwise, like if you tap on the screen, we have different lock screen images. But quickly looking at it, you really can't tell the difference between the two phones. They look identical, especially because we both have space gray. But you said the um, the depth, th that's really the newest camera feature that I was kind of interesting other than just the overall supposed better picture quality so that was super easy to use and you definitely can notice a difference when you're adjusting those that the depth of the bokeh effect yeah as long as you grab a photo in portrait mode when you press edit that little scrolling scale appears at the bottom of the screen and you just drag your finger across and that effect in the background either becomes blurrier or crisper depending on which way you go okay cool cool but uh I am going to get the 10s Max. I'm probably going to switch this one out. I've made a mistake, but I have to wait <laughs> a few weeks for that. So I will have a, more impressions later. Perfect. Then and the, who needs a computer? You'll have a screen that's almost as big. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so why don't I uh, offer my impressions of the uh, Apple, Apple Watch. Watch Series 4? And so this is my first foray into the Apple Watch. Uh, I did not have a previous one. I was using a Pebble Time for three plus years. And so if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know one of my initial concerns was battery life. Well, I can tell you right now, I've been going two days on this watch without charging it. I slept with it on overnight and I used it for GPS for working out both days and I am currently at 32% battery life still left. So this battery is actually quite good. I know it's going to deteriorate over time, but I'm pretty impressed with how much stuff I can do. And I'm using it. It's not like I'm just sitting there and not doing it. I'm do, probably doing more on this than I ever did on my, on my Pebble because you can do more. So I'm bringing, I'm reading tweets that are coming in when I get notified. I All my uh, traffic stuff from my from Waze or Apple Maps, that kind of pops up. You feel like this nice little tap on your wrist when you know your turn is coming up or whatever the next direction is. I'm, I'm really liking this whole interface and uh, just how much stuff you can do on it. And I'm, like I said, the battery is, has been amazing. Even last night, what I did was I downloaded an, a new app. I purchased an app that does sleep tracking because that was another thing that I was concerned about. So I loaded that up, tried it out last night. It seemed to capture my four hours and 45 minutes of sleep. I know I need to get more sleep, <laughs> but Dang. it was, uh, it was, I know it's a surprise. I'm still talking and awake. It's all the caffeine. Uh, but yeah, no, I was pretty impressed with, uh, everything I've done so far. It did get a little confusing, just the navigation of everything at the start, uh, just with whether you're using tapping the crown or swiping or you double tap the crown and I'm kind of slowly getting used to how to navigate everything and switch around between apps. Uh, but I like, even like I noticed audible was, I use audible to listen to audiobooks. They just updated their app. So now you can load a book right onto the watch. So now when I'm working out, I don't even need to bring my, my phone with me. I can listen to my auto audio book right from the watch while I'm working out, while it's using the GPS, tracking my workout. And it's all just on my watch. It's crazy. I love it. Awesome. That's quite a ringing endorsement. I was going to ask you how the feel compares because I know that they included the new ceramic portion. You know, they combined like the edition and the regular watch, but you don't have the previous watch to compare it. Right. No, I will say it's super comfortable uh, on my wrist. Like I, I don't even feel it. Like it just kind of is there. It's so light. I did buy a third party band that kind of is like the Nike sport band with all of the, the holes in it. Mm -hmm. Cause I figured I wanted more airflow if I'm going to be wearing it to work out. Uh, but even the, I mean, it feels super soft and the original band 
felt just as soft. Uh, I actually only wore the original band one day before I swapped it out because my new one came. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's probably just as comfortable, if not more comfortable than my Pebble Time was. And just being able to like, use my finger to just swipe to control everything on the screen is so much faster and quicker than trying to reach around and tap buttons that were on the sides and navigate. I mean, it's much easier to read than the the pebble time was the font is bigger and just everything is uh quicker and easier to read when notifications come in like my abc affiliate uh when they send me like breaking news there's usually a picture included which is nice to have other before i used to just get text so i it's all this nice stuff that you never knew you wanted and now you have it and you don't want to go back to not having that kind of stuff yeah, I kind of want to upgrade the watch, but that four hundred dollar price tag versus the two eighty that might be discounted two fifty, I'm trying to figure out if it's worth the hundred fifty dollar difference to future proof your device an extra year. Plus, you get the bigger screen. Right. Yeah. I mean, my guess is it's probably gonna be even better deals on coming up in a couple of weeks, or actually about a month or so for Black Friday. I'm guessing you're gonna be able to get it for that two seventy nine. Plus, these stores are gonna be thrown in gift cards and things so i'm guessing it's really going to be costing you roughly around 250 or less which that's kind of tough to like do i just jump on the the series three for that 250 or do i spend the extra 150 dollars to get uh the newest i don't know it's tough like i didn't have one so i might as well get the best that's out there right now and uh I, I really like it. I mean, I can't compare the screen size to the old screen size that I notice a difference because this is the only screen size I've experienced. I mean, the screen is definitely way bigger than the Pebble Time was, but that was a small screen to start with, with yep. a really fat bezel. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm definitely on the fence, but it's good to hear that it you're definitely liking it and that the battery life can last to at least try the sleep tracking. Yeah, yeah. And I figure, worst case, what I'm going to do is if I'm sitting, like I probably could have taken my watch off right now while we're talking for an hour and just charged it away and then it'd be ready to go. So it's just a matter of finding a time where I'm basically sitting still that I'll go ahead and charge it at that point. Yep. And so that's our impressions of Apple's latest devices. And that means it's time for some apps, and really it's more app news this week than a, really an app review. And the first one is that Pandora has been bought by SiriusXM for $3.5 billion. And that sounds like quite a hefty investment by SiriusXM, but also it's worth noting that just last year they had to buy a considerable amount of stock in Pandora. They own like 19% of all the shares already so i guess it's not a you know it's more like a takeover you know rather than a pure purchase from scratch yeah i the question is like how are people paying a lot of money for pandora i only ever use it for free i don't pay for the whatever their their pay options are i'm guessing it must be making money if they're gonna be willing to spend that much money acquiring them yeah, I don't know, because it said they've lost $221 million in valuation in the first half of 2018, and it's only been bumped up recently on the talks of this purchase. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I To me, it's basically a free app. I don't I don't pay for unlimited skips or whatever, whatever else they charge It just you removes the ads, days. right? That, that would be the mainly appeal, because it seems like that. I haven't used Pandora in months just because the last time I listened to it, it seemed like there was an ad every three songs or something. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess good for SiriusXM. I don't know how they'll tie it in to their service because they always have kind of deals to sign up for their service, but essentially their service main appeal is that it's included when you buy a new car. It's like, oh, you get three years of SiriusXM. You know, it's really weird to buy a standalone SiriusXM. Right, and then even occasionally, I'll, I'll, well, the thing is, they like just keep on hounding you and hounding you. So every once in a while, I'll get things in the mail from Sirius that says, uh, you get a month free or two months free. All you got to do is call this number and reactivate your thing, and we'll never charge you. But then after those that month, 
Then they just start hounding you with phone calls and start mailing you and mailing you and mailing you to try to get you to sign up for longer. And so usually I just weigh that, I just ride that out until they stop sending stuff. And then usually I just say, no, I'm not interested, but they still call. But yeah, it's the type of thing where I, there are some people that are like, once they have it, they can't get rid of it. They love it. There's certain shows on there or channels on there that they are hooked on, that they continue it. To me, I don't listen to a ton of music, but I, I, I don't see how this is. This seems like a completely opposite of what they offer, where they offer uh, like a, they've catered this, this programming for you and it's set up in different channels, but Pandora is all about you kind of making the decisions of what you want to hear and what comes up next in those channels where that kind of goes counter to them kind of setting up the programming based on the things they want to push. So I don't know how they're really going to tie it together, but I guess they'll probably just say Pandora presented by Sirius XM because you don't really want to lose that name recognition of Pandora. Right. And I wonder if they'll hound you with similar deals to include Pandora or Pandora will be more with uh, auto manufacturers on board and ready to go and things like that. Though I do see when you're competing with Spotify, you'll try to expand your style. So, you know, we hit you with our programming and then we hit you with your custom curated music. So now we have two ways to kind of fight Spotify. True, true, yeah. But that's, uh, I don't know if it's worth $3.5 billion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That seems like a lot of money. And then a company that doesn't have any money is Telltale, <laughs> which uh, they had to lay off about 90% of their staff over the past week because they essentially, their founding company ran out of money. They tried to get late partners to kind of salvage the company, but the deals fell apart. And so... That means if you're a fan of past Telltale games like The Walking Dead or The Wolf Among Us or The Game of Thrones or all kinds of different games that they've made, the Batman series, that's too bad because Telltale is no longer going to be producing it. They were in the middle of creating uh, The Walking Dead Season 3. They released the first two episodes on PlayStation and Xbox, but now it's unknown when the remaining episodes of the season will come out and who's going to play just half the season the way those episodes are set up. And then The Wolf Among Us Season 2 has been shelved permanently, essentially. And then Telltale was also working on a Stranger Things game, which will not see the light of day. So it's disappointing if you like those choice-based adventure games from Telltale. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this was actually like a big surprise too, because I guess on the, this all went down, I think last Thursday into Friday. And as of Thursday night, they, uh, Thursday afternoon, they were apparently announcing to all the employees that they were working on these deals with AMC and a couple other companies uh, to try and get uh, the funding they would need to bring them on as partners to basically save the company. And they made it sound like things were going promising and strong. And then all of a sudden things fell apart. And that next, excuse me, that next night, or maybe it was that day, they basically just laid everyone off except for like these 25 employees. And so it was a surprise for them. It's obviously a surprise for us as well. And they made great games. The, the, the IPs they chose, they worked, they were great about really keeping true to those IPs and creating new inventive stories that kind of captivated your imagination and drew you in. And with each one of these games, they had new ways to interact with them. The Guardians of the Galaxy was a great recent one. And it's just sad to see such a great company go down. And it sounds like there was not the greatest handling of funds, uh, but you would have thought with all of these IPs, and that's probably what cost them a lot of money was getting these IPs, that it would have done better than than it had. But even I was kind of guilty of, once they got into the method of you'd see the sales coming every year, I would wait to buy that first app that cost four ninety nine and wait till it go free, and then buy get the free first one and then purchase the season pass. So even I was kind of guilty of waiting and not giving my money right away, which I probably should have if it would have helped to keep them around. 
but it's it's sad to see such a talented group of people uh, lose their jobs and hopefully they'll find other work uh, elsewhere with other companies and uh, it's just sad to see an end to an era with all the, these great games that they made. Yeah, because you, I, I agree with you. Once they do those sales on those season passes, you know you're going to wait. And then a lot of these games I forget to come back to. Like that Guardians of the Galaxy game. Episode 1 was outstanding. I've never even bothered because I deleted it for space for reviews for one week. I don't ever reinstall it. You forget and that schedule, because I'm not waiting for them to release episode two and then episode three. You know, I'll wait until all five episodes are out so I can play it together. And by that time, you forget or something else is out. Yeah, I, unfortunately, they already have my money. <laughs> but unfortunately for me, I I fall in the same category because it's, it's especially because they are such huge games. And once you start to download all of the additional content for all the other episodes... And then there comes a time where you're sitting around waiting for the next few episode, next episode to show up and you need the space, especially us who were constantly loading new games on every single week. And I've been guilty of it too, where I like, uh, I guess I'm going to have to delete it because I need the space. And so, yeah, but I, fortunately they had already gotten my money for Guardians of the Galaxy, but uh, I too never quite finished it just because I I forgot. I moved on to other things because I had to for what we cover. But uh, yeah. Definitely sad to see. Though, if you are interested in that style, a former Telltale employee has released Oxenfree. It came out last March, but if you haven't played it, be sure to play it because Telltale games, they usually have around 2,000 choices among the whole episode run. Oxenfree, by comparison, has 20,000 choices, just to kind of put it in perspective. So if you like that choice-based adventure game, Oxenfree is... Just pick it up. I don't even care. It's like two bucks or something. You'll get hours of enjoyment for that $2. Now, was that your game of the year last year? It was. Or... Yes, yeah. it was. See, I remember. Yeah, it's one sad part about all of this whole thing going down, too, is I don't think we're ever going to get The Walking Dead, the final season, on iOS. It's out on on Steam, PlayStation, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. But it never was released on iOS, and I'm not sure it's going to come now at this point. Well, even so, like, would you buy it if you didn't think you were actually going to get the entire game? They are working, still working, uh, on deals to try to work with partners to bring episodes 3 and 4 to complete them and bring them to all of the platforms they planned. But that's still in the works, so that's not a guarantee. But... Hopefully, if you did buy them or bought that season pass already, that you'll get the content. Yeah, and so that's Telltale going out of business. But if you do like adventure games that aren't going out of business, (laughs) Cube Escape from Rusty Lake developers is now available. It's the 10th and final game of their series. And hopefully you've played one of the Cube Escape games by now. They're all free. So Rusty Lake are their paid games. There's been three of those, and those are well worth the paid admission. But if you want to just give their style a try, all 10 Cube Escapes are free. And the best part about this series is that all the games are connected. You know, it's like a baby version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where you'll have, like, little shout-outs and Easter eggs from one episode connected to another. And to see the culmination of it, they've just kind of worked on it and improved their style with each iteration or new game so you know their puzzle styles are more complex the art styles improved the graphical quality and now they've gotten to the point where they actually released a short film with this game so you can watch cube escape paradox on youtube it's about 18 minutes and it fully kind of is acted out of the story so you know we've only ever seen it as these little uh art pieces on your iPad. Well, now you can actually watch actors playing the role and building the story even more. And if you've ever played any of these games, you know that these are some of the craziest stories that are just peculiar as any type of game on the App Store. And so to see it in actual film is great. And just to see the whole 10 episode run come and be able to be played, it's just, it's awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, it was so cool to see, like, these games that you and I have been playing since the beginning. 
uh, to finally see this live action version of him. And this all, it all came through as a result of a Kickstarter campaign that they ran earlier. I think it was earlier this year it kicked off and they raised almost like $41,000, I think in us dollars. Uh, and it, not only paid to create the film, but also still continue to offer the game for free. And the, it, the film ties in perfectly with the, the game. So the game is kind of broken up into two chapters and the first chapter is free and that follows pretty much the exact story of the film. So I reached out to the Rusty Lake guys and asked them, well, before I start this, what order should I be doing this in? Should I watch the film and then play the game? Or should I play the game and then watch the film? And what they said was, I think it's more of a, a result of the menu system they have in the game. A lot of people were paying, playing the first chapter of the game, then watching the movie, then playing the second chapter of the game. But what they really liked to suggest was that you watch the little 18 minute film then you play the first chapter and then you play the second chapter of the, the game. And so that's the way I did. I played, I watched the film, then I played the first chapter. I did purchase the second chapter, but I haven't played it yet. But I would this was it. It, everything that you love about these games, it all kinds of comes to this culmination in this latest one. And there's things that you saw before and things, new things and, uh, I don't know. I just really enjoyed. This was probably one of the first Cube Escape games where I didn't need to go to the uh, walkthrough at all to get through at least that first chapter. And it did require me to put it down and step away and then come back to it. But I never got so confused that I needed to go to those uh, built-in free walkthroughs. Yeah, the best part about the Cube Escape games is it seems like they really balance the difficulty curve where it's not boring. You're not just going through the motions, but it's not extremely difficult where there's no connection to figure out the puzzles. You know, it seems like as soon as you launch the game, you go, you search a few drawers, you find a few pieces, and then those pieces go to this. And it seems like there's that continuous chain where you're always finding something that leads to the next puzzle on and on. So you're just fully immersed in the storyline. So if you like any of the classic point and glitch click adventure games the entire cube escape series is going to be perfect and then paradox especially just seems to like i said fine-tune their formula like they really have it down and that really doesn't even get into the point of how peculiar the idea <laughs> of the game is i mean you have this anamorphism creatures tied with this whole weird past present and future twin peaks-esque merging of crazy ideas of like an investigation, um, murdered chick, the detective has this whole possible connection to the founders of Rusty Lake from the 1700s. It's all this weird wrapped up story across all these different games and it just gets crazier with each introduction of the game and that's why Paradox is a perfect title for this 10th installment. Yeah, and I, I've said it before about these games. I'll, I'll just remind you again, this is not for kids. It's gory. <laughs> it's horrific at times. Uh, and it's just absolutely crazy at times as well, but in a very, very good, fun way. Uh, so, yeah, if you like weird stuff and you and you like point-click adventures, I mean, you can't go wrong with this whole series. I, I highly recommend, if you've never played any of them, play them in order until you get to this one. Uh, don't jump ahead because they do have those continuing elements, but uh, I would highly, highly recommend this entire series and as well as the, the paid apps, the whole Rusty, the three Rusty Lake ones as well. But if you're someone who's adverse to paying for apps, then definitely start with the whole Cube Escape series. They're entirely free, except for this second chapter of this final episode, which will cost you $1.99 in-app purchase. Yep, so Cube Escape Paradox, it's free, it's universal. Be sure to check out all the different Cube Escape games. I need to write an article of the order, the official order to play them all through. Because it's not that easy Oh, that's to right, because they're not numbered. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so next up is Where Shadows Slumber, which is a game that you can tell is inspired by Monument Valley and then has that whole shadow style of kind of Helsing's Fire where it all depends on the angle. And they use this light and shadow mechanic to create all their puzzles. So you play as this 
old guy who finds this mysterious lantern in the forest and it leads to this really crazy adventure and so that lantern is going to cast different shadows you know there's going to be pillars and stuff in the environment and then you can move those pillars around there's select pillars that you can spin vertically or horizontally or rise and drop and then that's going to change the shadows and then also depending on if a shadow goes over an area that say there's this gap and you swipe the shadow or you create a shadow over it now there's a bridge but then you go back and then the bridge is gone so then you have to kind of balance it out so the shadow passes it at just the right angle and then as you go they're going to have more complex kind of challenges that include kind of almost this minion creation where there's little guys walking around that you have to use as your minions to flip triggers and these different color switches and kind of overlaying shadows together but everything is kind of built on that light and dark puzzle mechanic over and over again yeah i love how they've kind of taken these two distinct elements like that whole monument valley setup where you're dragging and lifting and moving things and then combining it with that whole shadow effect it creates for like a new experience you can definitely tell it was inspired by monument valley but then because they do this whole shadow thing it really kind of gives its own feel and its own uh unique puzzle elements to the game and they're allowed to they can it allows them to craft like a, a much different experience this is actually a title that i've been following for quite a while now because I first saw it back when uh, Game Revenant, who's the, the developer behind it, when they were in the PAX East Indie Showcase back in 2017. And then I think it was shortly, either right before that, I think it was right before that, they released like an app out on the App Store, which was almost like a demo of the game and it had a few levels and it the whole story wasn't really flushed out there. It was just kind of like these levels and... I remember playing through it. I, I just ate it all up. Like I played through all the levels. There weren't that many of them. I gave it to my daughter. And at the time she was super obsessed with Monument Valley. And she immediately hopped on this thing and played through all the levels. And then we waited and waited and like, where is the game? And it took a while, but it finally is here. And that story adds a whole different element to the game. Like, Originally, it, it, like, it adds a lot more violence to the game, where I'm a little concerned about letting my daughter play it at this point, but uh, it, it definitely adds an, yet another element to the game, because you have these this story which kind of drives the whole thing through, where before it felt like just like a puzzle game, where you were going from level to level, it didn't really have that narrative element to it, where I think this does a nice job of kind of like really wrapping things up and kind of putting it together as one big package that uh, has that narrative element plus puzzles and a reason to go from level to level and not just being a collection of, of puzzles. And they really made it so Monument Valley, you can see where they have kind of the block style which shows what's interactive, but then they did this whole 3D kind of perspective shift, you know, that MC Escher style of changing stair angles and stuff. And so instead of that, they go with light and dark. And it's amazing. It's a subtle change, but it's a brand new puzzle experience. And then, like you said, the actual storyline makes it worth it because there's eight different worlds to go to. There's about five levels in each world. And the levels aren't the longest or most complex. You can see the entirety of it on screen, but it's like Monument Valley in that regard. The levels are so kind of fine-tuned and well-designed that you appreciate the levels that are given and then each of the eight worlds has its own brand new mechanic to kind of expand upon and enhance that shadow idea yeah yeah it's just it's a very well-made game and uh, you can definitely see that the time it took them to get it to market was well spent that it wasn't just they had what they had before and then they just re-released it uh it's it's done the i don't know i definitely highly recommend checking this out if you uh if you like any of those type of like especially if you like monument valley but any like thinky puzzle games because you're not going to get the solutions right away in these you're going to have to experiment you're going to have to move around you're going to have to 
try to play with the light and shadow and figure out exactly what it's going to do to the to the level and it's not immediately evident right when you walk in oh this is how i'm going to do this level you kind of have to think about it. there was a even a puzzle early on where i had to spend a little bit of time to try to figure out exactly how i need to adjust things and then it just clicked i'm like oh okay yeah if i shift that then the light will only come from this direction and then blah 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 and eventually i solved it but uh I do like that you, you're not just going through the motions. You do have to kind of think about things. Yeah, if you like any type of contemplative puzzle, you're going to be right at home and enjoying Where Shadows Slumber. It's four ninety nine. It's universal. And then there's Life is Strange Before Storm. So just heads up, that's <laughs> I'm not speaking incorrectly with poor grammar. It literally says Before Storm on the App Store, but kind of the title screen and on other platforms, it says Before the Storm. So I have no idea what they're doing with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why that got cut off. On it might be. Hey, I don't actually. That shouldn't be a character thing. I I think it was just a mistake. And so, life is strange before storm. It's free, but then it's gonna be that whole episode idea, just like the first game. And it kind of ties into Telltale, coincidentally enough, where it has a similar choice-based adventure style. And with the original game, it has this whole kind of fantastical idea since essentially the main character Chloe can control time so this game is a prequel before she gains those powers so it more just focuses on you know a high school teenagers drama her friendship things that can come up in her life so it takes away that fantastical portion of the game and just focuses on that decision-based adventure in kind of familiar settings and stories rather than you know crazy things that probably are never going to happen right yeah see that's unfortunate because i really did like that whole time element i thought that's what really set the original game i i'm trying not to say the first game because technically this is a prequel so it could be considered the first game but uh i think it was that time element is really what set the the first game apart from uh from other similar type of games that being said, the narrative that they do in these games are very well written and they're just well produced games that uh, you get interested in the story. So, uh, yes, that it is missing an element to me, but uh, I think it's a well crafted game. Yeah, for me, the problem with the original was that the time portion kind of took the decisions out of the game. Where Telltale games, you know, you have that clock ticking down, you have that impending, I need to choose this or this. This game, or the original game, took that away. Because you could go through a whole thing, rewind time, you know, you see how it outcomes, oh, that outcome sucks, I'm going to rewind time and play this way. Or even, it kind of doesn't make it feel like there are forking pathways. Like, you can go down this pathway and the game is like, nah, that's not really the right path. So let's rewind time and go down this path. So it took that kind of decision out of it. So... For me, I actually like this more. I mean, I'm just playing through the first part of the game because the rest of the portion of the game is paid. But even still, it just seems like it cares more about the story, more about the dialogue, and more about the decisions rather than relying on that time mechanic where it kind of used it as a crutch in the original game. This one has to essentially care more about the story. Yeah, I mean, I can see your argument there. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I. It, to me, it was more of just like how it was something different and new. But I, I can definitely see where that could be a detractor for some people. And then with that said, this game, it seems like the controls are off. Where I would try to tap over, you know, walk by the door, walk by some motorcycles or whatever. And I tap right by them. And then it shows that my tap point is actually across the entire outdoor area i'm like no i just tapped pretty much close to me and first couple times i'm like okay it's my fault i'm tapping stupidly or something but after like five or ten times you have to say the game just has this weird tap recognition engine and then it also ties in with the x-axis and the y-axis are reversed so you know when you swipe to change your camera angle it's like inverted it's kind of what the mac does with the trackpads versus you know the natural scrolling idea you can go into the settings and flip them it's just weird that the default is counterintuitive to every other 3d adventure game i've ever played 
Yeah, so I'm wondering if they did it, if the, it was a different way that they translated the game over this time. Because these all came out on Steam and Xbox and other platforms first. I'm wondering if they're using a different way to translate it over to iOS this time. Because I've also seen some complaints from people about the graphics not being as good as the original. Um, so I don't know if if it's related to that. It might be like maybe the port just isn't as fine tuned or something, but also just in terms of features. So they remove that time constraint or that time feature and they put in this new system called Backtalk, which essentially lets you pick different uh, responses based on the character you're talking to. And Chloe's eventual goal is to make him so angry that they let her go through, but then it could backfire on so it, it really comes to your decision do you want to proceed through the back talk portion but that gives you a lot more choices a lot more dialogue constraints where they'll say something and you can like figure out which word is key and then use that word and three choices that come up to try to pick the one that will kind of agitate that person the most chloe will remember that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's a this is like the twist of this game. So yeah, it's nice to have these other options of that kind of change things up. Where yes, they did remove the time aspect, but now they have the new backtalk feature, which gives it something different than you might see in other similar games. And so that's Life is Strange Before Storm. It's free. It's universal. But it's worth noting, if you unlock the full season pass, it's going to be eleven ninety nine with three episodes plus a bonus episode. And really, if you liked Chloe's story, I'm sure you're going to pick this one up. Yep. And then to round out the week is Onitama, which is a new board game, digital board game from Asmodee Digital. And usually their games are pretty intricate, where... You know, the tutorial might take you five, ten minutes. This game, the tutorial takes probably a minute at most to really just kind of dive into the action. So I feel like more of their other games are suited for the iPad. This game, I think, is best suited to play on the go on your phone because essentially all you have is a little hexagonal board. It's like a chessboard that's reduced down to a lot fewer moves. And then you have cards that are dealt out. So... In chess, you know, the rook can work, move in specific pattern, knights move in specific patterns. This one, those specific patterns are dealt to you as cards. And so you have two cards that you can choose from, and you get to see how your pieces will move. And your eventual goal is to either defeat the opponent's main base king kind of piece, or try to instead get him out of the way and then land on that piece. So you have two different ways to win. But the board is really condensed, so matches take just a few minutes. Right. It's it's only a 5 by 5 uh, grid in this mm -hmm. game, so uh, there's not a lot of movement. And each player has five pieces. So you have four of these little warriors, and then you have that one main elder guy that is the one that you're trying to either kill with one of your pieces. All the, Any of the pieces can kill the elder, even your own or you need to land on the home base of your opponent's elder uh, with your elder. So if they move their piece out of the way, then you have an opening. The whole, the, the big crux of this game is uh, because you only have those two cards, you only have two possible moves on each turn. You can move any of your characters and they move in those particular patterns. They give you choices. Some of them give you several spots of where you want to move, but it's you're choosing one of those cards, which the problem is when you choose one of those cards, you now give that card to your opponent. So now on their, not their next turn, but the following turn, they'll now be able to move in that pattern if they choose to. So you always kind of have to be cognizant of where do the other players' pieces are, and you have to think two moves ahead of their pieces, so you're not going to give them this card that now they're going to be able to use to take you out or take out one of your pieces. So it, it creates this whole new kind of thing where you, in chess, you always have to be thinking multiple moves ahead, but this you definitely have to because you literally could give your opponent the win by just giving them a card. 
So it, it creates this whole really unique aspect. And because you only have five cards out total, there's a, a whole deck of these cards. So every game is going to be a different game because uh, you're only going to be playing with a total of five different move options that all the players are going to have throughout the course of the game because it, they're constantly getting recycled. You're not shuffling in new cards. You're just using the same five cards, but they get shuffled around depending on how they're played. So it's a, it creates a really interesting, almost chess-like gameplay, but with a very different style because you only have this limited weird move set. And it's not like they can move forward, left, or right. No, it might be like they can move either diagonal back a space, forward diagonal a space, but only to the right, or uh, maybe to the right two spaces on one card. And the other card might let them go over and up a space or over and back a space. And so it's really these intricate setups which are perfect for a digital app because now you can just select the character, select the card, and you can see all their possible moves. You don't have to like calculate it out in your head. You see exactly where they can move and so you can quickly get your moves in and not have to even really think, calculate out where those different crazy card movements are going to uh, put the different pieces and really just it's nice that it's such a simple game that anyone can pick it up and play it and then you know you can dive into the complexities as you go you know all those different variations you can kind of learn as you pick up on the game but just the core idea anyone can get up and running in a matter of minutes oh right yeah anyone can quickly learn it and then there is that nice aspect of it where there is a deeper strategy as you learn so like you might see certain card combos come up and you know hey if i can get him to give me like the tiger and the horse at the same time i know that i'm gonna be able to set up a combo that's going to take him out on his next move no matter where he goes so you you start to learn these pairings that work really well with one another and you and ones to avoid setting your opponent up with that you it there's a lot deeper strategy to learn as you go, even once you learn just the basic gameplay and mechanics of the game. Yep. And so that's Onitama. It's free. It's universal. And if you like any kind of just like really quick ways to play in-depth strategy, you can't go wrong. Yeah. And the, the, the game fee. So with that free download, you get, uh, the full game. You get like a solo play where you can play against AI. That's really my only complaint about the game is the AI seems fairly easy. At first it seemed like it was difficult, but then I just got on a tear where it seems like every time I play, I can usually beat the AI. They make kind of stupid moves sometimes. And then they also have pass and play mode where you can play on the same device that you just need to sign into your Asmodee digital account, uh, which is a free account. And then they have an online play where you're playing in real time, kind of like with a game clock against other players. And so uh, you're every time you're taking time to move or anytime it's your turn, that clock is counting down. So you need to play. Then they do offer a in-app purchase to unlock an additional um, sent, uh, it's additional theme, like a space theme for $1.99, or you can unlock the expansion, and they have the same expansion in the physical version as well, which gives you like 20 more cards that give you different other different movement things, and that's $1.99, or you can do this bundle where they give you both of those for a discount of a dollar, so it costs you $2.99. Uh, but I, I'd recommend the Sensei's Path. I, I bought that one, and it does add even more variety. But even without buying that, you're going to get plenty of gameplay just with the base set of cards that they give you. I just thought they looked like cool and fun, interesting cards, so I went ahead and bought the, uh, the Sensei's Path. Sounds good, and I think that's everything for episode 83. Yeah, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.